I'm Matt Brownell. And I'm Van Owens. And I'm Tim Adams. Welcome to Climbing the Mountain, where we dive into the scriptures and discuss themes, connections, and real-life application. We're kicking off a series here where we're going to examine the Sermon on the Mount and discuss implications for this teaching for Christians today. All right, welcome back. Wow. We are continuing our discussion on loving our enemies, which is the sixth uh, command that Jesus is discussing in Matthew 5. Uh, it's been really cool both to talk about this one and uh, I just found this whole conversation we've been having over the past many episodes very fulfilling. Uh, but to summarize where we were last episode, uh, we heard from Daryl, who uh, shared a bunch about his experience as a police officer and what that is and what it isn't. Uh, he talked about the importance of non-retaliation and gave some really powerful examples of that. Uh, but also the main thing that stuck with me was he said that it has his job has nothing to do with loving our enemies because he doesn't serve enemies. He serves fellow citizens and he sees the people that he's serving as his neighbors and someone that uh, is worthy of love, uh, to paraphrase a little bit. But that was that was the crux that I took away. That was really powerful. Uh, and so we're going to jump off here. And Van, do you mind rereading that scripture uh, to kind of set the stage? Sure thing. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 43. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not even are, are not even tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Great. So when I hear those words, uh, they are extremely convicting, and I know that uh, for each of us, we can have a tendency to ignore those things that convict us the most. Uh, so let's jump off with that question. What can happen when we ignore Jesus's words to love our enemies? Well, I have a, I have a real life example from my career. <clears throat> when I was, when I was a young man, when I was a young police officer, um, there was a group of guys that I would see all the time and they were drug dealers. And there was one time when I was in a position to, to search some of them. We had all the, all the constitutional green lights were in place. We weren't violating their rights. They were definitely suspected of crimes. So we were performing a, a search. And on one of these young men, I found a wad of food stamps. And I was enraged to find food stamps because in my background, in our background, there's a lot of poverty. And, you know, there's a long time when we were using food stamps to, to survive. And, and I knew what it meant. I knew that these young men had traded food stamps for drugs. 
and that somewhere there was a child not eating because a parent, a gardener, a guardian, or a custodian was using food stamps to buy drugs. So I was enraged that they would accept this. And I launched on an independent campaign against this group of guys. I was very aggressive. Um, I, I made their lives miserable as much as I could. I disrupted them as much as I could. And, you know, not all of what I did was right. But this is who I was. This is before I became a Christian. And that's, that, that was my mission in life. But you know that it, it, there was a pain in my heart to have enemies. I didn't know what it was at the time. But there was one time when I said, you know what? I'm not going to rush in there. I'm going to get a parking spot a respectable distance away from them where I can see them, they can't see me, and I'm going to watch them. And when I watched them, I was I was impressed by them. I thought, so this is what they were doing. They were comparing each other's sneakers to 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 each other. They were laughing and kind of ragging on each other. Um, and they were listening to music, like turning it up on the songs that I myself liked. And I thought to myself, I said, I kind of like these guys. Mm-hmm. I I kind of like them. They're they're they remind me of me. They're younger than me, of course. I was in my mid-20s, and they were in their mid to late teens. But I said, you know what? I'm going to start talking to them. I'm going to start being myself with them and talking to them. And, I, and so I started, instead of being aggressive, I started being conversational. I would talk to them about how I grew up and that I could relate to them. I would talk to them about sneakers. I had a brand name, still do have a brand name of sneakers that I love. And mm-hmm. and so we talked about that all the time. And it was just, and I can remember one time on my way home, again, I wasn't even a Christian yet, but I said, those guys are beautiful. I just, it, it, I was just thinking and I thought aloud, those guys are beautiful. And what I didn't realize at the time because I had no framework for this kind of vulnerability as a 25, 24, 25-year-old police officer. But I really loved them. I loved those guys. And we had a relationship for many years. And they gave me a nickname. They called me Scotty because when I was young, I looked like Scotty Pippen, no longer. But, um, but and, and I knew their names. I knew their backgrounds. I knew who their parents were. I knew where they lived. And we had uh, we had an agreement that we would be courteous to one another, and and I now realize that I really loved those young men. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think that what you what you risk when you um, don't when you ignore the words of Jesus and you don't love your enemies is just that. Not only do you risk. Um, not having that those relationships, not having that appreciation of their humanity and of their uh, of the the things that you have in common, but you also risk um, what it is that we're all trying to be as Christians. We're all trying to grow and become more like Christ. Right. Yeah. We want to become more. Christian. We want to become more like Jesus. If we ignore his words and we don't love, we risk that. Mm. We we lose that. And um I think it's I think it's really important to 
keep that in mind. Yeah, I like what you're saying about that because it reminds me of one of the other discussions we had about the trajectories. You know, our aim is to be more like God, our Father, and I think that's what He's Jesus is talking about here. He's making the the sun and rain to to come to the good farmer and the bad farmer. Mm-hmm. He loves everyone, mm-hmm. and we should be like Him. And the risk is we could then not be like him and be like Satan, who's the father of lies. And so, and it, it gets this, it gets into kind of a perverse, you know, um, it says we love before, we love because he first loved us. Mm-hmm. Well, it gets into a kind of perver- perversion of that. We hate because they hated me yeah. first, you know, and so I'm going to hate because they hated me and then they hate that I hate them and they hate even more. And then I hate more because they hated me more. And it's just, just this escalation. Right. Mm-hmm. It gets crazy. You know, it's interesting that you would mention hate because <clears throat> sometimes when I've, when I've decided to hate in my worldly life and not not in my christian existence because christians typically stand up to me when i when i when i start to separate myself but in my, when i start to hate no one interrupts hmm. but when i start to love and i start to serve and i start to give i often get a question why are you wasting your time on blank and you can fill in the blank and for that questioner the blank is usually an enemy that they that they think I should have or that they have. Um, right now, um, when I was a young police officer, I didn't know what I could do. In fact, I felt like I wasn't in a position to really serve and give to teenage men, teenage boys and women. But now that I've been on the job for 33 years and I'm 57 years old and I've got a lot of experience and I work at the academy – I've been able to form this teen police academy that really gives to kids. And before it got really recognized the way it is now in the city of Boston, I had people that I worked with saying, why are you wasting your time Mm. on those kids? I had one person even boldly say, they're not going to amount to anything. So stop wasting your time. This is a sworn police officer in the city of Boston. And I thought, I don't, I don't care about what you're saying. And the answer for me was always, when, when someone asked, why are you wasting your time? The answer was, because I love them. I, mm. I, I love who they are. I love, their, I love their good and their bad. I love their polite and their disrespectful. I love their, their beautiful and their ugly. I love everything about them because I can really relate to them. And I feel like it's what God wants me to do. It's how God wants me to love. Yeah, there's there's such like an opportunity here because like our our we we experience this brokenness and we can we buy into the brokenness of the world when we say we've got to hate one another and we've got to hate our enemies. And when we're called to to be children of our Father in heaven, to be like our our Father. You know, it's a way out of that. It's a way of ending that kind of vicious mm-hmm. cycle that you were talking about, Matt. And uh, I find that I find that very exciting, even though it's incredibly challenging uh, to think that there is a way of of ending the cycle and and breaking the brokenness, right? And yeah. not 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 contributing, but actually restoring. And that's 
that's Jesus is really just showing us like that. This is, this is the way to do that. This is the way to, to not just be our fallen selves, but to be godly, to be godlike, because we're, we're acting like, uh, God himself does. Mm-hmm. I have a question. It, do you think Jesus is primarily aiming his words at interpersonal relationships with and between groups defined by their otherness, what we might call tribalism? Or do you think his words extend to all levels of society, geopolitically? How do we define enemies and how would someone in Jesus's audience define it? I think that um, the, the people who were in Jesus' audience were, um, were these uh, uh, Jews who were living in Palestine during the time of the Roman occupation. And they had enemies galore. They had, so there were the tax collectors who overcharged them for their temple tax. There were, uh, the, there were the Romans who were the bullies with the who were in a certain sense the police officers they were the the armed guys who would break up anything with violence there were um the priests who were always coming down on their lives and and uh enforcing the temple tax there were uh uh I don't remember which Herod was in charge back mm-hmm. then but there were the 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 king mm-hmm. who was subservient to the Romans but still in charge of them mm-hmm. also taxing them mm-hmm. also violent against them so they had any number of enemies and that's not to even include the personal enemies that they had even amongst themselves. And so I think that, so I think that in a way, Jesus is talking about all of that and how enmity is, is virulent. Like, well, like I was talking about before, I think in the last conversation, enmity spreads. And if you have one enemy, then almost anybody can be your enemy. Mm Yeah, it reminds me of a um, uh, of a story um, that that a police officer told me once. Um, very, I and I'll give a disclaimer. I've often complained to everybody who will listen that I can't stand when people want to only talk about my job. But here I am sitting here, <laughs> and I'm only talking about my job. But um, so this story goes like this. He said, you know, I was a young cop. He said, you know, you're young and everything is great. And, you know, you're, he called me Dudley Do-Right. He said, you, you, everybody's happy. Everybody's good. The world is awesome. You got your dream job. But then one day, a few years from now, you're going to think that everybody except police officers stinks. They stink. You hate them. You don't trust them. And then you're going to think in a couple of years from that, you're going to think, hmm, every, even the police officers stink, except for the guys in my station. We're awesome, but everybody else, every other police officer, don't like them, don't trust them. They stink. And then you're going to think, this station is terrible. (laughs) This station is terrible. I hate everybody else except for my shift. My shift is awesome, but everybody else, I hate them, don't trust them, don't want to be around. I, they're, they're awful. 
And then you know what you're going to think? You're going to think, I hate the shift. <laughs> I hate the guys that work, except for my partner. The rest of the guys, I hate them, don't trust them, don't want to be near them. And then a year later, you're going to be in the in the cruiser with your partner, and you're just going to look at him and go, eh, I don't like my partner. And so, I, I, I mean, it's a funny story, but... As humans, right, we're we're an integer. We're a unit of, unto ourselves. We're a singular mm-hmm. thing. And it's really easy to hate everything outside of self. And if we allow ourselves to hate a group, like a geopolitical group, like pick, pick a, a nation that is declared an enemy state of the United States, right? It's easy to say, I hate all blank. Mm-hmm. I hate the blank until you meet one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Until you meet somebody who doesn't feel the same way and who you can connect to humanly. So I think the answer to your question is yes and yes. Yes and yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I have kind of a hard time answering it because I, I think about that too. It's easy to think about someone on the other side of the world and you're told they're your enemy and you know, but then you spend time with the people and, and you're like, well, they're just like me. And, right. uh, you know, their circumstances may be different. They may have different governments. Yeah. Um, I think about the example of the good Samaritan again, where, you know, we have someone who was considered an enemy. The right. Samaritans were not liked by anyone. Right. And, uh, he was, uh, a neighbor, he showed mercy. Um, yeah, I think this is, when I think about this, I, I kind of go back, I want to go back to like Leviticus nineteen eighteen, right? That's the verse. We talked about it when we talked about retaliation a little bit because they had forgotten the, you know, beginning part of it, which says not to hold a grudge and, and instead love your neighbor, you know, that the law expressly forbid taking matters into your own hands and this tit for tat kind of retaliation stuff. Uh, but what's interesting about what Jesus is highlighting here is he says, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that love your neighbor, they cut off a pretty important part there. It says, love your na-, It actually says, love your neighbor as yourself. It has far less to do with who, which would be the natural kind of, well, who is my neighbor than how, Jesus is really talking about how do you love, and it's really everyone around you. Yeah, if if there's no distinction between who is my neighbor, which is the point that Jesus makes in the parable of the Good Samaritan, then if everyone's my neighbor, mm-hmm. then I can't, I don't have any enemies in the same way right. that we we think of unless we're meditating on this right. there's or so much that does unite us now it doesn't mean that there's not tension or challenges right. right or differences of opinion at times or you know any of that but there's being able to recognize the, the commonality mm-hmm. and recognize that this person is created in the image of god just like me mm-hmm. what makes the, what makes me valuable makes this other person valuable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's that needs to be the defining way that I see this person, yeah. not all of the, the stuff that makes it, 
you know, that makes my blood boil when I mm-hmm. when I yeah. just think about them in the abstract. It has a lot more to do with how you view other people, too. I think mm-hmm. what you're saying, right? Like, yeah. they we're all, you know, made in God's image. Some mm-hmm. of us may not realize that, but we should decide to love other people, kind of what we were talking about before. And, mm-hmm. and how, I think, is so much more the focus of what Jesus is talking about here. He's, you know, it's sort of the, you know, how... Well, think of how easy we are on ourselves, right? Like we we mess up. Oh, I'll give myself another chance. I'll mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. mess up again. I'll right. give seventy-seven times in one day kind of chances. Yeah. That's yeah. the yeah. that's the kind of image that we get here. Yeah, and isn't it isn't it just so um, personally corrupting when you feel hatred towards a group? I feel I feel corrupt, and I yeah. feel like when I'm doing that, um, it just it just feels terrible. But as with any terrible feeling, you can kind of get used to it. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get used to being tired or being sore or having a headache or or even an annoying noise. And we mm-hmm. can tolerate that corruption in ourselves. And I think our world, especially now, is just so rife with this corruption. Mm-hmm. And people are satisfied with it and are content living in it mm-hmm. and they don't and because they haven't they haven't submitted to to Christ they haven't they haven't truly taken up his cause in the area that you guys have been discussing that they they become satisfied with that corruption even on the smallest level it can be even a disdain for people who drive a Prius, mm-hmm. right? You can even oh there's another one driving a Prius, right? And right. It, it sounds right. funny but it's so corrupting when we allow ourselves to do that. When we wall ourselves off from interpersonal relationships with people who are different yeah. from us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny. I think about social media with this because it was supposed to be, hey, we got this wonderful thing and it brings people together. Mm. And what has it done? No, it doesn't. It actually, <laughs> it's so perverse. It yeah. separates people even worse into these camps where that's tribalism right there. We've got like, I think this certain way and I hear all the same information all the time. And how could anyone else think you over there when they could be right across the, could be literally your neighbor. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What's, what's natural and what comes from God is us. There's only us. Yeah. What's artificial is them. Yeah. Mm. And we create thems out of our, Fear, yep. which morphs itself into hatred. Yeah, and uh, and it's so it's so, and I think that's why Jesus again is so extreme in his language about these things, and all of these things sort of lead in. Everything leads into the next thing, and it's just we cannot accept a them. Because as soon as we do, we're opening ourselves up to creating an enemy. Mm-hmm. There isn't a them. There's only us. Yeah. That's pretty deep. I, I just, you know, this is one of those things where I I do just want to be able to live the way that we're, we're talking <laughs> right. about, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it's we're talking a lot about the world and the dynamics of the world, but there's so much of this brokenness that's, that we're still working on right. and mm-hmm. that we're working on in our church and in our relationships. And 
especially if you think about the the broader church outside of any particular mm. region or denomination. I mean, there's so much of labeling, you're this person, you're that person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to associate with you. And uh, I know that like that, and I've just been so convicted like having this conversation because it's like, it's so easy for me to do that. Mm. Um, and and it can, you can make it sound really righteous mm-hmm. and... Uh, you know, like you are totally within your rights, mm. but it's just, it's totally not the spirit of what Jesus is saying here. And no, it's not, it's, but it, it, it but it's one of those things that Daryl said, you can get, you can get used to it, you can get right? Used to it. You can just, Oh, this is just the air I breathe. Right. Yeah. I mm-hmm. breathe going to church and hearing, you know, nice things and convicting things. And then I, go home and I feel exactly the same way towards my boss or my mm-hmm. brother mm-hmm. or what, whoever it right. might be. Right. And yeah. I, I think that I'm, uh, yeah, especially with, you know, brothers and sisters who I know, but maybe I am like, I want to, I don't see eye to eye or I'm wrestling and I just I want to, I want to make it about it's me versus them, right? Yeah. Instead of having this heart that we've been talking about. So I uh, just so wanted to like be open with that because I, I don't want to ever pretend that like we've got it figured out or that exactly. I have this figured out. You know, right. I, I really appreciate that, Tim, because it's something it's something that we can struggle with. I even I struggled with it today. Um, I was with a disciple and he was, you know, and we sent, we tend to tell these stories about outreach, right? I met this couple, they live close by to us, they're about our age. We've invited them to a few things, they haven't wanted to come because they've been going to their own church. And then last week they called me and they said they invited me to their baptism. And initially I, I wanted to say, oh man, they got baptized someplace else. <laughs> but immediately I said, I was able to check that. Now, that's my raw emotion. That's what I. That's what my, the flesh in me wanted to say. But I said, you know what, bro? That's 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 encouraging. You know what that means? It means that there are people out there who are our age who are searching for God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I pray that I can be that for someone. Um, and and he said, yeah. You know, I re- I really love I really love my neighbors. I'm gonna I'm gonna. And he said, I love my neighbors. Interestingly enough, to me today, I really love my neighbors. I'm gonna hang in there with them and mm-hmm. and and just keep being their friend and keep mm-hmm. reaching out. And I was like, that's really good. So when you said that about, we've got to be cautious not to mm-hmm. speak theoretically about the world. Mm-hmm. It's it's right here. Yeah. Because my first impulse was to go. Oh man, we could have had you, right. know, you know, and oh man, mm-hmm. I hope that they're they're in some church. You know, you know. <laughs> right. But the first impulse was to say, "Oh, they're one of them now." Yeah, the first <laughs> impulse was to other them immediately. But I said, "You know, that's really good news, and you, you, you know, that's really the encouraging thing is that there are people yeah. out there of our age and stage." who are still looking for a relationship with God. And we're here, we're fortunate enough to be here to reach out to them. I like the way that you connected it to the other examples, because all of these are related. The first one uh, on anger, is so super applicable mm-hmm. to this and the how people are name calling Raka and like yeah. in that society that was like 
we don't consider you saved, basically. Like, you're not part of the community. You're not part of us. And, uh, you know, to judge people that way. Um, well, there's more. I think we should we should come back to this because I think the next couple questions are, are uh, too big to start on another one. And wow, uh, this time flew by. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you.